On paper, you'd think this was going to be one hell of a train wreck. But then you listen, and you realize common sense doesn't have a party, an ideology, a stereotype, or a color. Can we be united again? Stick around, and we'll prove it. This is Doc in the Block. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Doc in the Block podcast. I'm sitting here with the greatest music producer of all time, Big Block Spencer. How you doing, brother? What's up with you, baby? This your boy, Big Block, Eastside Chevy Rider. Brian Sideways, my brother, the number one orthopedic surgeon in the world. Scott, what's up, Scott? I'm doing good, man. Sydney's supposed to be in the uh, studio today Absolutely. or this weekend. We're supposed to be this weekend. We're going to talk about that later. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, she's getting fired up. Sydney's yeah. block's been helping my daughter cut a, an album yeah, uh, for the last yep. few years, and they released the first song, and she's been working hard on that, and that's doing real going well. Crazy, going crazy. Yeah. Going justice. Today, our guest is a man that needs no introduction, the one and only Marcus Allen, Hall of Fame football player, USC Heisman Trophy oh, winner. Man. If I do everything, we'll be here for the rest of the day. So, Good Marcus, guy. welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks, Doc. I'm glad to be here. And I can't wait to hear that album. Yeah, okay. she's got the first song is out. It's doing really well. Yeah. It's funny. When it first started, it was kind of like I'm the father of a daughter, so I think she sings well. And then Block's like, no, she could actually yeah, she turn into it, something. So. You know, now I saw her doing, uh, they were doing a music video of her and I look at her and it's like, my little girl is like a woman now. (laughs) It was just strange to see that that happened really fast. Yeah, I'm sure it does happen very, very quickly. (laughs) So we want to thank you for being on the show. And I know, you know, we we talked earlier about our target audience is kind of middle school kids that are facing all the obstacles in life. And a lot of times, and I know when I was young, you know, you feel like, oh, I have all these things stacked against me. I'm not smart enough. I'm not big enough. I'm not fast enough. Or, you know, I just can't compete in this world. And and you get dejected. And the reality is everybody faces those things. And you just got to keep your head down, keep working hard, and God shows you a way. And, you know, I think you're a great guest for us because, you know, from the outside looking at you, you know, when I, I, I'm a little bit younger than you. So when you were coming up, you know, it was like Heisman Trophy, you know, Hall of Fame, all pro every year, you know, the best running back ever, you know. And, uh, you know, it's easy to look at somebody like you and say, oh, he didn't have any problems. It was easy to the top. And I know that's not the case. And I wanted you to just kind of share with our listeners, you know, your story. Well, we all have challenges growing up, but I, I must admit that I was uh, very, very, very fortunate. Uh, I grew up in a nuclear family. Obviously, my father was the head of the household and had a mother that was is, is still amazing, guys. And it's almost 63 years, I think, they've still been married. Wow, that's awesome. So, yeah, I grew up with that village. Uh, but what I did recognize was in our neighborhood, um, I went to Lincoln High School. We only had one white student that went there and stuff. So it was a, um, <clears throat> it was an area much like the area you went to, like Watts area, right? Mm-hmm. So there were certainly challenges. And what I did recognize is that um, my dad um, not only played a pivotal role in, 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 in my upbringing and my siblings and stuff, but my father was there for kids that, you know, dads who weren't. Yeah. My, my, my father was the dad who went and picked up all the kids in the neighborhood to take them to practice and stuff like that. So when I look back and reflect on that, it's like, man, how lucky was I to sort of witness that, right? And, and be a part of that. But I also saw the impact 
Um, even today, years later, man, guys go crazy when they say, Mr. Allen, because he had this orange red Chevy that he would go pick. I mean, everybody knew it in the neighborhood and stuff, right? And so he played a, 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 that that fatherly role when a lot of the eight fathers were either working or weren't there. And, um, you know, uh, one thing I tell myself every single day is my child didn't ask to come. Yeah. So I owe him everything, right? Yeah. He does, you know, obviously... Uh, he owes me nothing other than obviously I hope he respects me and loves me and goes, you know, grows up to be this, you know, incredible young person. But I brought him into this world. He didn't ask to come. So I owe him everything. And when I look back, I think that's the approach that my, my father um, took. Right. But not only did he take it with me, he took it with other, uh, you know, kids in the neighborhood, too. So uh, he was, you know, he's always been impactful. He was impactful then. But I just know, you know, we talked about it earlier, you know, um, the lack of fathers in, in, in most homes, you know, because uh, kids are always looking for, you know, dad's approval and, and, and mom's approval and stuff. And when they're not there, they look to other people. And, you know, uh, we grew up with this saying, um, well, I sort of learned it earlier, but applied it, you know, to, to my son now. It's like, you know, treat your kids like, you know, like a gas tank, right? Fill them up every single day. Yeah. With tough love, <laughs> with love, yeah. uh, with, you know, encouragement, support. I mean, discipline, all those things. But you fill them up, not anybody else. And hopefully the per- if there's if there's somebody beside you, um, hopefully that per- that that person is a coach. Right. Because the coach impacts is next to the parent. The coach probably has, you know, more impact on a kid's lives than anyone else. So. Um, I was lucky enough to have great coaches, too. But as a parent, you, if you don't fill them up, hopefully there's somebody uh, nearby in that circle that you can trust as a parent that is, that is, you know, giving your kids, you know, the right ingredients to grow up and be successful. And so. Did you ever have a time in your life, like when you were in middle school or something, where you had negative influences around you and, you know, trying to pull you in a, in a direction that maybe wasn't the best way? How did you motivate yourself and keep yourself on that course? Was it just your parents leading you or, or something else? Or it again, goes back to my parents, Scott, my dad had this, um, in block, he had this unique approach, right? He introduced us to everything. He didn't, he didn't want us to rely on curiosity, right? He, I remember him, I think we were young, 13 years old and stuff. And he brought this drug paraphernalia kid at home. And it was like this little, you know, little suitcase that had, you know, plastic on each side with little shelves and stuff. And he said, this is, you know, this is opium. This is what it'll do to you, right? This is this drug and this is what it'll do to you. This is, and this is what it would do to you, right? So we had these, we didn't have any curiosity about yeah. anything. Um, my dad is from Texas, right? And so you could always, you know, you can take him out of Texas, but you couldn't take Texas out of him, right? So he had this direct approach about everything and he wanted us to know everything. And so we didn't have any curiosity about that stuff. And so we were able to avoid all those, those pitfalls. And um, I mean, if there's any parents listening, I mean, you're the one obviously that's supposed to, you know, don't let them, you know, like like I said, some sort of outside person, unless you know, you can trust them um, explicitly, you know, with your child and, 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 and leading them in the right direction and stuff. But my father was the one that, uh, you know, we knew about all this stuff at a very young age. We weren't sheltered, you know. At 13, I was driving, you know, he would let me go yeah. 
you know, the neighborhood, you know, obviously that wasn't legal and stuff, but you know, um, you know, we used to, we used to do the crazy stuff and, you know, and we used to run across the freeway. That was one of the reasons I felt like I got to USC. You know, I guess you would say, what is it, the 405 or the, uh, yeah, the 405? <laughs> or the 10? We would get on one side of the freeway, and on my brothers, we would say, on your mark, hit set, we would go across the freeway. We did a lot of crazy things because um, our father, you know, just sort of, he didn't shelter us. And, I mean, obviously, I don't think he would have approved of that, but he did a lot of things that uh, I think kids in our neighborhood didn't do. So we were um, exposed to a lot. We went in areas, you know, like La Jolla. You know, if you grew up in Watts, yeah, what is what's equivalent to La Jolla at the time would be Beverly Hills, you know what I mean? So my father worked there, uh, did construction work, so we went to work with him. And so we, we interacted with a lot of different people and met a lot of different people, and we were exposed to a lot. So uh, those all those things are beneficial. Uh, but yeah, of course you have challenges, um, you know, growing up. I remember in high school, I got, uh, I, uh, my, my, my story regarding USC, I don't know if you know this block, but I was, um, I was a safety, uh, in, 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 um, in high school. Okay. And, uh, the coach wanted me to play quarterback and I didn't want to play. Wow. <laughs> so he instructed me going to center and, 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 and I really didn't want to, but I did. And I fumbled the ball eight times in a row. He kicks me off the team. Wow. Right. I, so I you know, I'm, I'm one of the best players in San Diego and he kicks me off the team. Right. So, you know, naturally I, I go home and I take a shower and I go home and I, you know, I, and I'm sitting there waiting for my father to get home. Cause I just know he's going to be livid. Right. He's going to be. And the next thing I know is, uh, I told him what's going on. He says, Hey, that's between you two. <laughs> so he didn't rescue me, which was the yeah. good thing, right? And so I had to, you know, I had to do some troubleshooting myself. And I went back and apologized. And then I got reinstated. And as the story goes, uh, we ended up winning the championship. But I ran the ball quite a bit as a quarterback. But I was still getting recruited as a defensive back uh, to USC. And then when I got there, all the running backs behind Charles White got hurt. And guess who they asked to come over to play running back? You. And that was because I played quarterback and ran the ball, and people saw me in another light as opposed to just a defensive player. Wow, so, that is the craziest yeah. story I've ever heard. And my son, um, and my son plays safety now for Michigan State. Oh, he nice. was, yeah, at um at USC. Okay, you know he turned off and down, but he went to Michigan State because he liked Mel Tucker. Well, yeah. uh, Mel's uh, Mel's been around for a long time as a great. Yeah and stuff and oh. you know the uh sc's going to the big 10 not yeah. here but then uh the follow-up yeah. so it'll be yeah. Yeah, uh, you're 2024 right yes i think so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah you know you bring up an interesting point marcus about the, the father role model uh, especially when it comes to raising sons and raising daughters i have two daughters you know and i'm very involved in their lives you know i've read books about you know one of the great books i read was called strong father strong daughters and coming to the realization that the your kids image of their father is what they imagine God to be and also for daughters the man that they're going to marry and it's had a really profound influence on me because I always feel like man I want my girls to have a good man and so I have to be a better person than I am and it sort of 
encourages me to be better. And then that in turn makes my life better. And I know Block tells his story. I always ask him, like, how'd you turn your life around? I mean, he's he's in prison and then he goes to become a three-time Grammy award-winning music producer and, you know, he's top of the world now. And he basically said, I wanted to protect my kids from the world that I I had to go through. And I really I, I listen to that a lot. And I'm, you know, mentoring a, a a bunch of UFC fighters and I have this one guy is his, uh, you know, mom is uh, a drug addicted person. His father was selling drugs to the mom and he had, you know, rough upbringing. And, uh, you know, I'm talking to him about how to get his life on track. And I'm like, you know, you have the opportunity now you're being successful in the UFC, you're winning a lot and, you know, you have a bright future and you have the ability to help your kids avoid all of the problems that you had going on. And that's a real motivator, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it certainly is. Overcoming uh, challenges are great, but again, having the right people around you and stuff. Um, Scott, you, you met my wife, Lauren, um, and, our, and our son, Devin, yeah. uh, who just came from, he's been here a year now, uh, came from Illinois. Um, we spent a um, a couple of years there and Lauren was coaching um, uh, a basketball team. Uh, I think they were like uh, 13, uh, maybe even like, no 16 year old kids in basketball uh, right around that age. And um, in the toughest, in the toughest neighborhood in the, and in, in East St. Louis, it was East St. Louis. So it's one yeah. of the dangerous areas in the country. Right. And, um, She's <laughs> the impact that she had on these kids, right? And she and and I didn't particularly, you know, wasn't thrilled about it. But she would go pick these kids up in that area, right? I mean, she was she was um, dedicated, and and she wanted to give them obviously another alternative, um, uh, and expose them to things, and let them know that somebody cares about them because the uh, <clears throat> the number of kids that make it out of there is not very very high. And when you see that, you know, because at some point you say to yourself, you know, you've been blessed. Right. And you have to understand you're rich by what you give and you're poor by what you keep. Right. Yep. And, and yep. the greatest thing we can do is impact our fellow man. And, you know, is, is to um, as we've been lifted up, lift somebody else up and hopefully, you know, they can pass it forward. You know, Jackie Joyner Kersey is one of my my dear friends and I just honored her. Um this past year and we were able to donate a lot of money, but Jackie's foundation is right in East St. Louis, one of the toughest neighborhoods in the country. And she, you know, we know her as an Olympian, but she's done an Olympic effort in trying to uh, provide for those kids in the neighborhood and try to, um, uh, you know, (sighs) giving them the toolkit, you know, to help them, you know, succeed and, and move forward and stuff. So, yeah, we all have challenges, but again, it's like it's, it, you know, you, if you're surrounded by the right people, if you got somebody who cares about you, um, who takes the time, you know, to come pick you up, and and and, and somebody like Jackie who's dedicating her life to the, you know, to that neighborhood and, and trying to uh, save lives, um, it's really really important. Again, and you have to and you have to recognize that because you, no man's an island. We can't do it by ourselves. We need yep. a village, you know, just like the three of us. We need each other to really sort of impact. Obviously, we can impact one and two, three, maybe 20 lives, but it's greater if we 
you know, we all work together. At least we're, you know, all trying to do the same thing. Um, but, you know, there's always some synergy when you're trying to help some people out. So, Marcus, uh, 16 years in the NFL and, you know, arguably the greatest running back of all time. Surely a lot of the players coming in the league looked up to you, and I'm, I bet you had the opportunity to mentor a lot of these guys coming in. Tell me a little bit about that. I mean, you get a lot of guys that are coming from tough backgrounds, and all of a sudden they have access to a lot of money and a lot of uh, bad influences. Tell me a little bit about how you help keep guys uh, on the straight path. Well, first of all, you know, it, it's almost like a, you know, there's an old saying, right, uh, with coaches in particular, right, we don't care what you know until you know, know that you care. Uh, yeah, I always cared about my teammates. Uh, the The difficult thing it's got is we all have dreams and ambitions, right? And, and I certainly have mine, and they don't. You know, I don't take a. It doesn't take a back seat to when somebody comes in. Um, but when you have a young person, you know, and especially if you play sixteen years, there's always somebody that's trying to replace you, right? Yep. So it's tra- it's it's challenging as a as a as a uh, it challenges you to see if you're a good person or not, right? Yeah. Remember the incident between, uh, I think it was uh, Brett Favre and uh, Aaron Rodgers? Yep. And Brett Favre said, I, he's not my responsibility. Yep. <laughs> that was telling. It, it showed a lot about him, right? Because uh, to me, it is your responsibility, right? And it even makes you actually a better person to help somebody who's trying to take your job. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I've always didn't matter whether it was now not even young players, but somebody like uh, uh, Eric Dickerson or Roger Craig or Bo Jackson, they will tell you to this day, and this is the reason why we're all friends still, right, is because they did not uh, lack for any information. I gave them all the tools um, informational-wise to be successful. Because I've always felt if I didn't, I'm not not only letting myself down, I'm letting my team down. Because if we, if we needed that guy and he made a mistake because he didn't have that information, right? Because the coach can only tell you so much, but, you know, the player can tell you a little bit more. If they didn't have information, it says a lot about me and obviously it impacted my team. So, yeah, there are, there are constant challenges, you know, um, that you have to deal with that really sort of examine who you are as a person and, and what you're made of and how you were brought up and stuff. Um, you know, the great challenge also for me was, you know, dealing with Al Davis, right? Uh, playing and for, for, you know, reasons on, you know, unbeknownst to me that, you know, all of a sudden I'm not playing, you know, I go in, I ask to be, you know, release. Uh, you can cut me, trade me in it. And then, to hear, uh, of course, I'll do that. And then to come back two weeks later and say, yeah, nobody wants you when I knew that wasn't the case at all. <laughs> you know, it was just a game to be able to deal with, you know, with all that uh, something that um, that you love to do, because I love playing. And hopefully that's what I showed. I mean, um, contracts, you get a contract and you have you know, your moment of euphoria. Right. And then. I was always, that was just the last of a couple of days. And then after that, I was back at the business of trying to be, you know, be one of the best players that ever played the game. So, so that, that's interesting. You bring that up, Marcus. I, I, I remember that very well when that happened, you know, just as a fan, you know, you were in the prime of your career, literally 
you know, that you people were talking like he could be the greatest of all time. And then you have this problem with Al Davis. And it was like, what is going on here? They're not playing the greatest player in the league right now. And they're not trading him. Like, this is unbelievable. That must have just been uh, an enormous stress for you. That must have been a very difficult time. How did you deal with that? It, it was it was extremely difficult. Obviously, uh, like I told you, when I was when I was ten years old, Scott and Block, I made a decision what side of the television set I wanted to be on. And from ten years <laughs> on, that, that's all I ever did. Right? I mean, I would um, every time I saw something on television, I would go out and emulate it. Right? I would, on Sunday, I would lose my shoes. Mom, I can't find my shoes. Not to go to church so I could steal them and watch, you know, football on Sundays. I mean, I would do everything, right? And so that's that was sort of my life, right? And um, but I but I was I, I was just you know again I go back to how I was raised and stuff. But one, I didn't want to do anything to embarrass my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, my dad was tough. He I mean he still is, right? And we were raised to be that way. And no matter what the circumstance or what, you know, uh, what you're dealing with, you can never let anybody break you. Yep. You know, it's interesting. You were talking about, you got uh, players coming in that are always trying to take your job. And, you know, when you, I have a different perspective because I was, you know, I wanted to be a pro athlete and God just did not have that in the cards for me. But, you know, I did the best that I could with the body that God gave me. And I can remember, you know, you kind of go through, you know, high school and whatever, you get older, you kind of become the older kid, you get on the team and, you know, you get your spot, you kind of get to college and there's a little bit more pressure in the sense that, you know, every year they're bringing on the best athletes uh, to take your job. It's not like you're the senior, so you get the shot now. And then, you know, that pyramid gets really tight, really quick. And it's like every single year playing something like in the NFL. I mean, you got the best athletes on the planet that are coming in. And so to to have that um, that uh, that integrity to put team first and to be sharing information with players and to give them that that's that's a tough uh, thing to do. And I have uh, when I was in medical school, you know, we used to get old tests from from previous years, and it was an advantage. You have the old test, you can see the questions and the answers. And uh, there were people who would get those tests and they would hoard them and not share them. And I I used to think to myself, I don't want to be that guy. I want to be you know, I want to be seen as a man with integrity. And so when I would get those tests, I would go in the library and I would print them off and I would just go to everybody. And I'd be like, Hey, I got this old test and I would share it with everybody. And in my mind, I I could remember thinking it's kind of like I'm shooting myself in the foot a little bit in, you know, sharing this information with everybody. But my father always told me, you know, have integrity, you know, imagine the man that you want to be, and then try to be that guy every day. And he goes, you'll fall short, but you got to keep trying every day. And it's those little things I think that enrich your life and then turn you into the person that makes you successful at everything you do. You know what I mean? Well, I exactly know what you mean. You, you know what happens, Scott? You have a little bit of uh, growing up, right? When you're, uh, whether, whether it's Little League, whether it's Pop Warner, and you do well, uh, there are... Um, circumstances that arrive arise out of that right and for me I, I guess I got early practice because I, I was never selfish uh, player um, right um, always wanted to be one of the boys right but I was 
early on getting attention at home. And I never wanted that, right? Because I, I never wanted my siblings to feel bad. Right. So uh, I, I, I guess, you know, as you grow up, I, I had the same sort of, you know, feeling um, as I was, you know, ascending up the, the college ranks and into professional football. I, I wanted I listen air. I, I, I appreciated the tension, but I never wanted my 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 colleagues, the guys that I was competing with um, to feel bad. That's why I mean, I did everything I possibly could to be a great teammate. I mean, I mean. I mean, it was it wasn't contrived. I mean, I, I was because I cared about my teammates, mm-hmm. and 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 we all have great relationships today. Today, all of us can all the running backs can get on a call and we can laugh and joke and stuff like that. And all those guys would tell you that I um, that I cared about them and I gave them all the information necessary to be successful. That did not mean that I you know I stopped my dreams. Um, I, I think some of the greatest things uh, you know we're faced with is competition, and you just got to compete. Uh, you got to want it, right? It's not, and, and and most people, you know, when they say you, you know, desire and want. I mean, it's just words, man. It it is it is an action that is that you know that that is it is it's such hard work. We laughed earlier when I said it's easy. No, it's not easy, man. Yeah, it is yeah. so much hard work. It's ridiculous, right? Because most people see you at the podium, accept an award. Nobody's yeah. working your butt off. Yeah. Nobody ever sees that, right? And and maybe on occasion they get a glimpse of you if you if you're trying to promote you know uh, y- yourself and stuff like that. But most of us are working out where most people don't see us and stuff. And again, this was a dream and ambition for mine since I was a kid. So to have that taken away was was tough. But the only way I could extra myself is legally. Uh, is when I you know we we me um. Freeman McNeil, Reggie White, yep. and Mark Collins, I think, were the four named plaintiffs to sue the National Football League for free agency. So, um, you know, the game has been obviously, you know, uh, different ever since, So, which uh, I'm happy about. I feel like I've impacted and left some sort of legacy a positive <laughs> to help players out. Yeah, you did a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah, no, I can tell you, you carried yourself with class during that time, and obviously, it didn't uh, didn't affect your ability to make the Hall of Fame and still be, in my opinion, the greatest running back of all time. So, yeah. um, but it, it, it to me, it's just you know, bigger stage, big problems. You know, more money, more problems. It's like people have problems, and I always teach my kids. My father taught me this as well as. Life is nothing but a series of competitions in everything you do. You're competing for grades. You compete to get on the team. You compete for the girl. uh, And sometimes you win and sometimes you lose, you know, and when you lose, you learn, you keep your head down, you keep working hard and you try to make yourself a better person. And, you know, my father used to say along the way, it's relationships, you know, and how you treat people is really going to be the measure of what you get out of this life. And he goes, you need to treat people well. And even when you don't like people. How you treat other people is a reflection of you. It's showing respect to yourself, not other people. So when you say yes, sir, no, sir, it's not about that person, about you and respecting yourself, you know? I, I, and God, I think I think it's necessary to lose sometime. I mean, obviously. It absolutely. Yeah. But it's necessary. Um, obviously, it's, it, uh, hopefully it's painful enough that, you know, you, don't, you never want to repeat it again. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think there, you know, there are, there are, necessary evils in life right i mean you, you if things were always rosy i mean you you know you, that's yeah. not realistic right but you can really find out 
who you are, what you can become by, you know, by the, the challenges that you overcome. Yep. And then you, and, and, and to me more, it's, it's just attitude. I think a positive attitude yep. is one of the, the greatest things that uh, you can have. And it's all perspective too. How do you look at that? I mean, most people look at it as not a problem, but they look at it as challenges. And when you look at those challenges, you can, you know, most often overcome those challenges and stuff. So perspective has a lot to do with it. And, uh, I was blessed with that. So, um, yeah, but those, things, I, it, it, I think it's necessary. I mean, I would hate to have a life that was just, you know, when I look back, I'm actually thankful for all the, the challenges that I had, um, that most people would see, you know, as problematic. Right. I saw as I look back and go like, I needed that. That, that that made me who I am today. That made me, that hardened me. That gave me more uh, intestinal fortitude. It made me more uh, committed to my, you know, my dream. Uh, those things are necessary, I think, for you. It also gives you confidence. You know, you know that when you lose, you know, it, things don't end. You, you know, you solve problems, you move forward and, you know, the doors open and you have, you know, your life goes on. And, when you lose and you overcome and then you attain success, it gives you confidence for the next obstacle you overcome. Like, all right, I'm in a tough time, but I'll get through it. You know, that's, that's kind of the way it is. Um, the, uh, <clears throat> you know, the, the attitude that people have, you know, is really important too. You know, if you feel like oh, I'm going to fail, I'm going to miss, I'm not going to make it that that's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. But if you have an attitude of, you know, I'm not going to fail. I'm going to make it happen. And, and you can sort of get in that habit of having confidence and having belief in yourself. I can tell you when, I don't know if you're a soccer fan, but I'm a huge soccer fan of what just, you know, we just watched the world cup when Saudi Arabia lost or beat Argentina in the first rounds there, I looked at my kids and I said, Argentina is going to win the world cup now because a lot of times, and I know you probably know this better than me, when you're in tournament play situation. Sometimes when a good team gets that early loss that they can overcome, you know, it doesn't put them out of the tournament. It gets everybody focused, you know, and then they, and then they go on to win the tournament. I see it happen all the time. And that, that was kind of one of those situations, you know? Yeah, there, uh, <laughs> there are certainly games like that. It certainly, uh, required us to be, uh, or would they actually need it, but required us to be better the next time out and stuff, guys. I was, um, I don't know if you know my roommate in college, right? So my roommate was Ronnie Lott, right? Oh, man, yeah. that's my guy. Yeah, I heard of him. That's my guy. <laughs> yeah, Block, he's, uh, he's a special yeah. team, but he and I would always say, um, football is what we do. It's yeah. who we are. Yeah. Right? It was, But it was a large part of us. And so we always wanted to be something, you know, besides a football player. But the, the things that we learned, right, in sports has been, oh, man, invaluable. I mean, it's been amazing, right? Uh, and I've never accepted, you know, any setbacks. I mean, just that's not a part of my DNA. I mean, because and then when you when you overcome and continue to overcome, there's a there's a level of faith that you have, right? And we always say you walk yeah. by faith and not by sight, right? He's just like, That's right. I know everything's going to be okay. I just know everything's going to be okay. So, you know, don't let this bother you. Um, and hopefully, you know, the, the listeners out there, um, it's it's whatever's in your life. I think you have to be an internal optimist. Yeah. You can't be a pessimist. You can't have a woe is me attitude, right? 
because life is like a mirror. If that's what you give, <laughs> that's yeah, what you're going to get, right? So it's important for you to say, you know what? Give everything a positive approach. Look everything with perspective and say, yes, things could be worse or things, you know, maybe this is just what I need, right? Uh, you know, to, to light a fire under me, right? Or maybe, you know, maybe I look and I should, you know, uh, I've always said, also said this guy that, um, life is a great laboratory, right? But it's you and block are like the, you know, the, uh, directors and producer of your motion picture. Yep. This is your life. Yep. Right. And, and through, <laughs> through, uh, through your film, you make, choices and how you want your you know your film to be do you want it to be an epic film do you want it to be a tragic film right and sometimes we have to go back and you know we have our leading people in our life right our our parents our, our kids our you know uh, our significant other right and 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 really good friends and then you have some people that you know that really impact your film right um uh, that that have just you know come along at the right time and then played a, an important role, right? And then you have a bunch of extras, right? I mean, learn where to put the focus, right? But you can always have to, to like, sit down in the theater of your film, right, and reevaluate. And, and, and sometimes you got to, you know, you got to do a little editing. Uh, this person's not good for me. This person's great. I bring him in. You, you always have to sort of reevaluate your film to see if it's, if it's going the way you want it to, I mean, because this is your life. It's nobody else's. Yep. Right. And so it, it, to me, it's like, and, and to me, it was like, what kind of film do you want? Right. And I wanted, I wanted adventurous. Uh, I wanted a comedic. I wanted romantic. I want, I, I didn't want drama. Right. So <laughs> drama, you got to edit it out. Right. That's what I'm seeing. So, it's up to each and every individual to say, hey, you know, what do I want my film to be? Yeah. You know, do I want so to, you think you're on the right to be track, an epic where everybody can come and see or but it's going to be, a, you know, it's going to be a tragedy. Nobody wants to see it. You know what I mean? You don't want that. Go ahead, Block. Yes. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry about that. But what um, what you think kept you on the right track when it comes to mentorship? I mean, come to them kids, you know how sometimes we get successful and we kind of, you know, some of us forget where we're from. What kept you on the, that right lane to go back, pull somebody up, help them out, mentor them? Do you think it was faith or, or do you think it was a team that your parents it, you know, kind of built around you? Uh, all of that. Uh, you know, we grew mm -hmm. up going to church. So, you know, I had a belief in God and stuff. And the family was uh, very uh, spiritual as well. And so, yeah, that's that's how we brought up. Family was everything. So, and I also believe that, you know, listen, here, when you're fortunate, dude, I mean, because... Yeah. I always say this, and I'm sure you guys can. When we when we come into this world, mm -hmm. we didn't ask to be healthy. Right. We didn't ask to be, you know, athletic. We didn't ask to be of sound mind and you know, or intellectual, or you know, gifted with you know, with with our certain. We didn't ask for anything. So I say, by the grace of God, dude. That's I was. Like, I didn't ask for any of this stuff, dude. I was like, wow, how, how lucky am I? Right. Yeah. And so for me to look at that and like not do anything to help anybody else would be just a slap in the face, you know. Yeah. So to me, it's like it's it's an easy thing. Right. Because also you got to understand 
the trophies get old and rusty, right? And records are always broken. But what you've done for your fellow man is is lasting, right? It's no better feeling than when I uh, remember this kid came to me and said, hey, Marcus, Steve, uh, I just wanted to say hello. And I really appreciate what you did for me. I'm, I'm, I'm at Stanford now. I was like, oh, that's awesome. You know, that, that's that's the legacy you want to leave. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Because hopefully that person will go and do the same thing. Absolutely. And that's what's make the world a better place, man, if we're out there helping each other. Because contrary, you know, especially this, this particular environment that we're in, I mean, everything's about division. Everything's about division. Divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. Oldest trick in the book, man. And I'm all about... You know, I'm all about community and people and, and, and loving each other and stuff. And I don't let them divide me uh, or get me in that division uh, that uh, is, is, you know, that we see all the time on TV. That's all they sell to us is division. You know, it's I, I think back on my life and I try to distill down what 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 allowed me to be successful. You know, I'm an average person athletically, intellectually, all this kind of stuff. And yet, you know, I, I became a doctor. How did that even happen? And my father used to just tell me, good things come to those who work hard. That's it. Just keep your head down, work hard. The world will turn. You know, the door will close, a window will open. You'll always find a way forward if you just keep working hard. And it, in the beginning, I almost had to take it, not almost, I had to take his word for it, you know, and I didn't believe it. But then as I got older and older and things, I'm like, man, this thing really works. Yeah. Like this didn't work out, but this other thing worked out. And then I got to the point where it's like this, this is a fact. And then my mother, who was a nurse, taught me joy in this life comes from giving. That's it. He goes, nothing, she used to say, nothing else will gratify you more than just give to people. You'll be a happy person. And man, that has been the truest thing that has ever been said to anybody. And so putting those two things together, work hard, you know, keep moving forward, no matter what happens, just keep working hard and be generous, be kind, look, you know, look for opportunities to help other people. And my, my, my life just keeps getting richer and richer every year. And it's the foundation that I laid a long time ago that, and I wasn't looking for anything in return, right? That's the whole point of giving is when you give to people, you give with no expectation of anything in return. But the irony is you get so much in return when you're that person, you know, and people gravitate towards you and it makes the world a better place, you know, and that's what we're trying to do here with the Doc and the Block podcast is bring community together and get, you know, offer help to the people who don't necessarily have that nuclear family or that friend group and help them sort of get over the hump and get into the game. Hey, Doc, you've made a great point there. Uh, I mean, two great points, but let me address the first one as it relates to work. (laughs) We always say um, when I went to Kansas City, my uh, my running back coach, his name was Jimmy Ray. Uh, Jimmy was one of the first black quarterbacks in in major college uh, history play for actually Michigan State. Wow. uh, Yeah. And he always said to us, a free lunch costs a dollar ninety nine, meaning there's nothing free in this world. Yeah. If you yeah. want That's it, right. you got to go work for it. Nobody's mm-hmm. going to give you anything. So uh, we got that work ethic from our father because uh, we used to go work with him. And on uh, the um, hottest days of the month, we would go 
out and do framing and roofing and stuff like that. And he would always say to us, and he had, you know, he was he was smart. Uh, do you want to do this to go to college? And we always said we want to go to college. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he he knew what he was doing, but we learned Absolutely, yeah. we learned hard work, and so yeah, we got man. the SC and and um, or you know just you know throughout my you know my my sports career or SC or Raiders. That's all I knew. Hard work. I was going to be the most conditioned guy in the field. I was going to be the. Uh, I mean, you could be stronger, faster, but you weren't going to be smarter. You weren't going to be more determined, and you weren't going to be you know be as well conditioned as me and stuff. And, and no one wanted it more than me. Um, so that uh, yeah, you you have to work. That's the four letter word that's really important. And the other thing you said is absolutely right, dude. It's the best leader in the world when you do things for other people. Yeah, and you do it for you. I mean, I, it, it doesn't. I all the time. I, I, I'm, whether it's in a grocery line or something like that, I'm like, I'm always paying for the person behind me or something like that. They go like, and you see their reaction. It's like, and I said, yeah, I don't want anything. I just, just when you get an opportunity, just do it for somebody else. Yeah, you know, I'm always yeah. trying to pay it forward. You know. Yeah, but, but you know, I grew up in Watts, right? So, and and, and I tell Scott this all the time. You know, one of the reasons I want to start the mentorship group, the big timers, was to give back and to be a model. And some of these kids, they don't have that model as a dad or a big uncle, stuff like that. And um, so I remember one time, I first built this studio in Atlanta. I moved back to Atlanta. And I built a studio right in the middle of the hood. Because I really, and it down the street from a school called Krim, which was, was like bad kids, troubled teens. And um, one of the greatest gifts and the best, or one of the best feelings that I had was, like I used to have uh, Beyonce, Puff, Jay-Z, um, I go on and on. The biggest thing was these kids had to walk past my studio to get to school or, or on the bus, and they'll see them hanging out. And then they'll start coming, I want to work. Now, these are the same kids want to rob somebody. These are the same kids want to do all the bad things that they saw. You know, inside the hood. So, what was one of one of the biggest things you did once you got successful? You know, you know, for the kids. Like, what was one of the big things that you, you know, that you did? Well, I mean, I've had a fan foundation for over I don't know, probably over twenty something years. Uh, yep. Prior to that, I was busy actually. You know, always supporting other. Uh, Charities, yeah, and, and their events. And I used to go down to Skid Row and feed the homeless, yeah. you know, and that was that was extremely eye opening because yeah. it is uh, it's scary down there, you know, especially when uh, during a holiday when, you know, like for example, Thanksgiving, everybody leaves, right? Everybody's yeah. usually working, and so all the homeless come out, and it's and it's a pretty, you know, sobering feeling to see, you know. Of those people that they're in need and stuff. And um, so I used to do stuff like that. But over the last uh, 20-something years, man, I've been I've donated to money to Fresh Start, which uh, grants surgical gifts to kids. Um, I used to support a, um, a charter school called KIPP in, in the uh, inner city uh, in Los Angeles. Um we just gave over a hundred thousand dollars to Jackie Joyner Kersey and her foundation. Yeah, um, nice. So we, we we're doing some positive things to, uh, and it's it's all about you know 
it's all about the you. Um, and I and I try to support, you know, Eric Dickerson has the event, so I support. I support um, Lawrence Taylor. He has an event. I mean, all I, there's just a lot of events out there. Not only do I try to be there, I always try to donate a little money uh, as well. Uh, so and 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 most of those are around helping youth and, and education and and. Um, and health and fresh start is, is, is something that's been fantastic because Scott, you, you know, that, uh, there's nothing worse than, you know, a kid either in a tragic accident or something like that. And they're, you know, either their face is damaged or their, whether it's teeth or dental, whatever doctors come in and donate their time for free. And we, we pay for all the, the ancillary things and necessary things that, uh, that help them out, you know. Uh, yeah. But I, I just feel like again, it goes back to just being blessed and yeah. and and sort of recognizing that you know that you're fortunate. And and, and what do you do when you're fortunate? You you give uh, back. yeah, you get back. It's it's dude, it's chicken soup for the soul. You know that man. <laughs> it really Marcus. Is. Marcus, what's the name of your foundation? Yeah. It's just the uh, Marcus Allen. Uh, Invitational, see a celebrity foundation that that's that's where I have my golf event every year. Nice, we want to plug that, Marcus. Thank you so much for being a guest today. You are absolutely yeah. amazing. I know you're going to help a lot of kids. Block, uh, awesome to see you this morning. Bigtimers.com. Go and see us on our website. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Everybody have a great week, Marcus. Thanks so much. We're going to have you back on the show again. Block. Absolutely. Hey, hey, Marcus. Anytime you need any music, people. Nintendo Entertainment, I'm here for you, baby. Let me know. <laughs>